Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, good morning, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company. Rawr. Did you hear that? Rawr, dog Food and Company. Uh, <laughs> it's early. Where your pet's health is our business. And my friends like Neely get up at 4 a.m. and want to do a podcast. A podcast <laughs> early where I can't even speak. <laughs> oh, what I do for my friends. What's up, friend? I'm having coffee with the dogs. Yeah, I'm having coffee too. I'm gonna call you a dog here in a second. Oh, <laughs> my dog. Oh man. So you you've been busy, girlfriend. I mean, you've been doing your homeopathy, been doing dog training. I think you've got uh like if you had to hang a shingle out for every um thing that you've gone through, <laughs> every credential, it'd be a mile long. You just like studying, don't you? I do. Well, what do you know? What are you learning? What's happening? What share? Share <laughs> with me. So let's talk about one thing that I know you know a lot about uh, because you've worked and managed Happy Trails uh, for how many years have you been there? Uh, almost almost 15. 15 years. 80 dogs to 100 dogs a day. So you've seen a sphincter load of kennel cough. And uh, as we were just talking, you said it's going to start going around. Now, kennel cough strikes fear, total and complete fear in pet parents. Should it? No. <laughs> well, no, it's it's a silly cough. It's a it's a it's a doggy cold. And it most commonly goes around when there's a sharp change in weather And Colorado always has seriously sharp weird changes in weather you know you'll have a 40 degree difference in one day and that's kind of what sets them off usually is that and actually um i have found that the biggest contributor to an outbreak is a freshly vaccinated dog so you get a dog that comes in there that's been vaccinated within a couple of days the whole kennel gets sick so i have uh, policy in place that I make everybody wait at least five days after getting any vaccine before they come in. And um, I would make it two weeks, but I, there, I barely get away with five days. I'd never get away with two weeks. And quite honestly, it's been over a year since we've had any kind of, um, I mean, there's been an odd dog here and there, but it's, there's never been a, and it's been over a year since we've had actually had it. And pretty much every time it's gone gone around has been because a, a freshly vaccinated dog slipped by us or they didn't tell us, you know, it wasn't outdated on our system because I make them, uh, I honor them for a year and uh, a lot of them are labeled for six months. So people don't necessarily tell us that they, they just got it and we don't find out till later. And I can trace almost every time we've had it back to, back to that. And when so, you say when you say freshly vaccinated, are you talking about for kennel cough or any vaccine? Yeah, 
well, for Kennikov is the worst one, but all of them are, are, are like that. And, you know, all of them will make them sick and all of them can be passed around, but, um, Bordetella is the most common one that that happens with. And the intranasal one is the most common one that that happens with. Um, and don't ask me how it happens because we all know that contagion doesn't work the way it says and yada, yada, yada. And that, you know, bacteria no, no. and bugs and viruses don't cause disease and all that. We all know that. No. So no. you, you are, uh, you are sadly mistaken. If you think that everyone knows that. How many times have I said, let your dog be a dog. Dogs are living things. They're allowed to feel lousy they're allowed to be sick they're allowed to have off days that doesn't mean you go running yelling and screaming spending two three four five hundred dollars at the vet for antibiotics and cough syrup i mean you know let them work it out let them let them um clean their air filters and get all the crud out and move on and everybody's everybody's happier for it okay so let me ask you a question i had uh, a pet parent who their dog had kennel cough got worse got worse got worse kept getting worse and now it's got this honking thing they took it to the vet and they treated it with antibiotics got worse yeah, uh, and it's still coughing. And so they've, I mean, they've spent a fortune meals. They've run tests. They've done, um, they've done x-rays and they're really worried about their dog uh, because they're not getting, uh, this dog's not getting any better. They, I said, well, you know, uh, did we have an enlarged heart? Do we have heart, any kind of heart failure? You know, the heart's fine. Okay. Cause we know that sometimes that can cause a cough. Yeah. Um, but I, what would you say to this pet parent who is worried sick about their little coffin honking dog? Well, don't give it any more antibiotics and um, different coughs ask for different remedies. But um, if it's a dry, hacking, honking kind of cough, spongiatosta is good. Um, but what I see most common is that if you let it, and you know, it, kennel cough is an umbrella term for any kind of um, upper respiratory kind of issue. It can be from, you know, from uh, hacking up green goo to to just dry and hacking to just a little huffle once they start you know, if they, if they're too active or something. Um, but those dogs, this is what I've witnessed over the years, those dogs that go to the vet and get treatment, they're usually sick for at least a week longer than the ones that don't. If you keep them home, keep them quiet, give them, um, supportive care. Um, you know, usually it's, it, the coughing starts because there's a tickle in the throat, just like if cough, just like if you were coughing, you know, it's tickle in the throat. The vast majority of the time, it'll go away by itself. But there are some <clears throat> there are some remedies that you can use. Like Spongiatosa is one, uh, Drosera is one, Pulsatilla is one. You kind of have to look up um, what what type of cough it is and um, 
go from there. And then you can soothing throat soothing things. If the dog's old enough, you can you can do um, local honey, just like you would if you if you had a sore throat yourself, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's that's all it is. And yeah, I know it's hard, it's hard to watch your dog not feel good, but it's not it's really not a big deal. It are, can are turn it, into a big deal if you if you mess with it too much, though. So, when you when you say you got to look up these three uh were those herbs that you were talking about? oh that's home that's that's homeopathy okay so you can actually google kennel cough and um it'll tell you you know you can you can find different different cough remedies and it'll describe the type of cough i couldn't name them off the top of my head except for the ones that i just did okay and um when you are talking about what kind of cough can you describe the kind of coughs that you might recognize? Well, you have like what you were just talking about, the dry honking cough where they sound like a barking seal or something like that, or they sound like a duck or a goose. Um, that's actually a real description. Or if you have a one that sounds wet, but nothing comes up or one that sounds wet and they spit up. Years ago, Hazel had it to where literally, I'm not even exaggerating, every... 30 to 90 seconds, she would gag and hock up a wad of spit. And I had like little trails. I was following her around with Odoban and a rag for a solid 24 hours. And after that, it was done. So, you know, you can have that. You can have just a, um, well, any kind of cough that you have experienced, it's the same, it's the same type of thing, you know raspy um long fits short intermittent types you know that kind of thing um uh, but why would antibiotics not be the best uh resource for a cough well for one uh the bacteria are not causing cough they're there to clean up the mess that is causing the cough whatever that would be that's typically going to be, um, you know, uh, the body cleaning out something. I mean, if you think about it, what was the first thing I said? It comes in the change of weather, which comes in the change of seasons, right? So when the seasons, the changing seasons, um, you know, body tries to, to clean things out and it depends on the toxic load, things they've been exposed to, just like anything else does. And, you know, it just manifests itself in different ways. You give antibiotics and you're killing the healing process. So the bacteria are there to, to do the healing part. So you give antibiotics and, and you take that away. Um, now, that's not saying that bacteria can't, can't cause their own problems. If you have too, too many of them or a huge proliferation of the wrong kind or whatever, you're going to end up with bacteria. Uh, metabolic byproducts and waste products and all from the from the bacteria which that in itself is toxic but it's not the bacteria that's causing the problem they're there because there's already a problem to clean up and what that comes from is any you know anybody's guess but um it also will suppress the healing system and anytime you suppress any kind of symptom like that it just drives it deeper because the the body naturally looks for the shortest route 
out to get rid of whatever whatever the toxic substance is, right? So usually the shortest way out is if it's in the lungs is to cough it out. If it's, um, and that's why you end up with so many skin issues because that's the shortest route for things to get out. So, you know, if, if they're trying to detox stuff, it'll come out the eyes and the ears and the skin and hot spots and flaky skin and hair falling out and that kind of thing. So that's why you see so many um, skin problems is because dogs are so toxicated with all the, all the quote unquote preventative stuff. Like we've talked about in the past vaccines and flea and tick meds and um, getting baths too often, you know, all kinds of things, um, pesticides. And that's, you know, coming into this time of year, that could be, that could be part of it is in the summer, you know, um, everybody, um, or so many people have pretty lawns or they go to the park or they go to different places that have manicured green spaces. And, you know, they use pesticides and herbicides and other toxic things on there. Uh, on those patches of grass and you get a enough buildup of, of that over, over time. And that's got to go somewhere. So just any number of things like that. Yeah. I want to go back to um, something that one of the uh, dogs, naturally team members, Marie Gangi, uh, Gagney, <laughs> Gangi, Gagney mm-hmm. said she was talking about the Manuka honey. So I want to mm-hmm. give um, our pet parents a little information about the Manuka honey that you were talking about and what kind um, of Manuka honey, because you want to make sure that when buying Manuka honey, you want to use the UMF, okay, the unique Manuka honey factor grading system. So the higher the UMF, the more Manuka or MGO the honey has, okay? So she says, if you're looking to boost your dog's system, uh, daily doses of at least UMF 10 plus will work. All right. And it does matter about your dog's weight. And that determines how much money you should, how much money, money, how much honey, money, uh, how much honey you should give your dog. So start with half doses and then you can gradually increase to the full dose. So and it needs to be in a, it needs to be an adult pretty much just like, I don't know how true this is, but I haven't looked into it, but. I have seen multiple places where it's just like kids. You don't give, you don't give a, a kid younger than a year old honey. Um, yeah. Same she, with dogs. It needs to be an adult dog. So this is, uh, I was going to get to that, but I, since you're on that, I want to talk about that for a second, but let me, let me give them the weight stuff, but I, sure. I do want to talk about that. So under 20 pounds, guys, it's half a teaspoon, half a teaspoon twice daily. 20 to 60 pounds, one teaspoon twice daily, 60 pounds or more, two teaspoons twice daily. Okay. Now, if your dog is ill or you've got kennel cough, you've got something going on, um, you want a product with at least the UMF at 20 plus. Okay. At 20 plus. Now, back to what you just said. She also says, which I, she says, don't give to dogs under a year old because of the clostridium botulinum, botul, botulinum, yeah, spores. This is so funny because you know how people, they just go crazy. Oh my gosh, my dog was eating raw dog food or any kind of raw dog food and they got clostridium. I'm like, 
what kind of clostridium? You know what I'm saying? It's so funny because things have clostridium. Well, in- and that's stupid because your dog has clostridium in his body anyway. They I, they all I mean all the they have all of those all of that bacteria in their body already. And you know, all bacteria live in um colonies, villages, however you want to say it, with multiple different strains in each in each colony you know community that's a better word that's what i'm looking for you know it's that is a diverse community you don't have um you know our agriculture system has gone to to uh, uh monoculture and the plants don't do well that way but we artificially keep keep them alive monoculture feels alive well bacteria are the same way they need a, a diversity of species within each community and so you know, you can't, they, they, that's how they, that's how they, that's how they live. So those things are, all of those bugs are already there. So the fact that you go looking for something specific and you find it means nothing. (laughs) Come on, Niels. It means everything. It means you need to put your dog back on kibble or prescription Mm. diet. Don't you know? Uh, oh my god yeah okay so here are some other things guys that you could do besides or in addition to manuka honey prebiotics probiotics and prebiotics we have an excellent one right there on the site phytosflora phytosflora is a canine specific strain and that's great that's a great one also medicinal mushrooms are good uh they're functional foods that provide more benefits uh, I think your- mushrooms would probably be really great for a dog that's feeling um, down like that with something like that. Mushrooms would be a really good, really good thing to add. And we have three. We have three on the site, guys, in the supplement section. We have the immunity, okay, that is going to be a powder that you can add to the food. We also have turkey tail and chaga. Now, a lot of people don't know how to use chaga. I find that um, our pet parents tend to buy more turkey tail meals than they do chaga. But I think those work really well together. Yeah, they all work. They all kind of work together like that. I think it's probably because turkey tail is probably better known than chaga. All right. So there's another thing I want to talk about today, Niels, and that is kill steps in food and the reason i say this is because you know we got these pet summits going on right now uh we are going to be the sponsor of the pet summit dr judy morgan's dog nutrition pet summit um the raw dog food pet summit just completed you're also in dr billinghurst uh, master class that's coming up as if you needed one more class to take but God love you. Uh, you have yeah, a, it's going to be fun. I love Dr. Billinghurst. He's great. He's great. And, you know, I've talked about this on my podcast before. And I say this in, in my presentation that I gave that you guys can find. Uh, it's free on Pet Summits. Um, I'll need to put that out there. But you can find it. It's the Dr. Judy Morgan Pet Summit that's coming up. But one thing that that Dr. Billinghurst says, and he said in his book, and maybe you can expand on what he might've said in the raw dog food summit, but he says, look, dogs were designed guys to eat vomit, feces, 
um, rotten meat, all types they're of scavengers. They're scavengers. They are designed to eat that. And yet, and yet, Neely, we have pet parents that still will insist that their dogs are, you know, sick from, you know, eating a raw diet or that they got clostridium from a raw diet or that they need to eat the cooked food uh, or that they need to. And, and there may be, let me just say that when I, there may be some instances when they should eat cooked food over raw food. And that would be if they're really, really sick and they're not eating. Um, but it would be temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but I just want to get your take on this about why, why would you not do a kill step? Meaning, why would you not do a bacteriophagy kill step? You know, putting something in the food to kill it, kill off the, the, the bacteria that's in there. Um, the HPP, even cooked is a huge kill step. But why, yeah. would, why would that not be in the best interest of the dog or well, cat? As close to nature as you can get is always the best answer. And like we just said, bacteria are there for a reason. We would all be dead without bacteria in our environment, in our body, on our body, in our, you know, we'd all be dead without it. Um, there's, there's no, and I just said earlier too, bacteria does not cause disease does not cause illness it's the result of not the cause of everything is backwards um so you know the the things that if you go through pretty much any kind of kill step that you go through with um a natural food like that is gonna decrease um you know, for instance, it will decrease enzyme activity. It will inactivate enzymes. It'll um, change the um, structure of the proteins. Uh, you know, any any number of things. And those bacteria that are there are supposed to be there. Yeah, Hazel knows we're talking about food. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I I want my dogs to have as close to natural as possible and you know all this worry about um it's it's turned into let's make this as difficult as possible and that's just ridiculous i mean one of dr billinghurst's things is follow the evolutionary um trail you know feed what um their natural evolutionary diet is and you know we're not we're not suggesting that you go find roadkill and feed it to your dog. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is it this fear over these minute amounts of bacteria that are naturally in food is absolutely ridiculous. It has nothing to do with um, any kind of issue that the dog has. If the dog has an issue it's not because the food is quote unquote bad. It's because there's something going on in their system that they need to, to clear out. <clears throat> and by feeding real food like that, you're actually giving it away a rest from fighting all the regular toxic crap that it actually can push it out. I, that, I, that I consistently say that. So, you know, I don't know why you would want to contaminate a perfectly good natural product by 
it's basically another processing step. And why would you want to do that? There's there's no there's no logical, reasonable reason to to do that. There's no logical, but there's a lot of illogical things that are going on in the world at the moment. <laughs> well, that's true. That's very true. You know, some people are going to be beyond help and some people are going to think I'm off my nut for saying something like that. But, you know, that's fine. The truth comes out in the end. But, um, you know, look into it. If you don't if you don't believe me, look into it. All that everything has to be sterile and blah, blah, blah. It's it's all backwards. Well, I was looking at this article uh, by Adored Beast. And they're talking about uh, the concept of healthy eating, concept of healthy eating. Now, in the human world, a healthy diet is qualified in terms of freshness and variety. Um, and in the pet world, the veterinarians are the only medical profession that recommends a highly processed bagged food yep. over a fresh food diet and yep. claims that that supports health and longevity. Now. Come on, guys. I know it's early. It's early for me, um, but we got to think logically. Is a highly processed bagged food artificial, even? Yeah, toxic, and even. If you want to really? To talk yeah, about and you know, talking about dead, dying, moldy, decaying um, products—that's what is in kibble. Period. Period. So if you're worried about, you know, it boggles my mind that people don't think twice about giving a dog any kind of pill, any kind of pharmaceutical, Cytopoint, Apoquil, antibiotics, Yabapentin, anything like that. They don't think twice about popping that down their throat multiple times a day. And yet they, they're like terrified of feeding them real food. I'm sorry, people. That's, that's just like a little bit cray cray. Well, think, think about it. <laughs> that is cray cray. But, but the thing about it is that when we talk about real food on the human side, okay, we are talking about cooked food. So a lot of times our pet parents don't associate raw with a fresh food diet. They don't associate that. That That's like, ooh, icky, gross. Um, what's going to happen? You know, I had somebody email me the other day and they said, you know, I'm starting this raw diet and I thawed it out in the refrigerator and I got blood everywhere and blood is, you know, splattering everywhere. Well, first I do have to say this guys that an animal is drained of all its blood. Okay. It's totally drained. I've been on the kill floor. It's totally drained of all its blood. That's not blood in there. That is a ruptured cell of the protein mixed with the high moisture. Okay. It's moisture. Yeah. <clears throat> so, that's not blood. I know it looks like it, right? So that's another thing that freaks him out, right? It's like, oh my God, there's blood everywhere. Um, well, again, even if even even if it was, what do you expect? What do you mean? What do I expect? I mean, what do people expect? <laughs> it, it, it. I mean, it. It is um, a, a animal meat, you know. Well, so is a steak. And a steak exactly. looks bloody. A steak looks exactly. bloody, right? When you put it on a exactly on a plate, and uh, and we and we joke about that sometimes. I like my <laughs> I like my steaks very rare, 
And and I've oh, said it many times. I know you don't. But, I'll eat them raw. But oh, you will when you well, eat them? when I when I eat meat, I usually eat it raw. <laughs> don't eat that raw meat. It'll give you worms. You guys, you can't eat worms. I mean, I mean, you can't get worms from meat. It's so funny. Um, uh, we've done podcasts many times. It says, look, if if your dog's going to get worms, they're going to get it from eating the feces of another dog eating that poop. has worms. Okay, so unless your steak had a flyby. Uh, of something with poop <laughs> and had worms and you ate it without knowing it, you're not going to get worms from raw meat. I'm just saying, and neither should dog. But see these, these, these narratives, they take hold in the world, Niels. And they, I know. Just, they grow and they grow with insanity of illogical. I know. Yeah. It, it's so, it's so crazy. Just like when we're talking about, diets that are being suggested from the people that are in the positions to take care of our dogs. Okay. Um, and even board certified veterinarians, board certified, especially nutrition, especially yeah. them. Yeah. They definitely um, follow, you know, what the stay away from stay away from a board certified veterinary nutritionist that's all i gotta say and they're expensive and they're basically they're just gonna bring they will, you back to yeah they'll tell you to feed uh cooked white rice and um potatoes and um boiled chicken and uh yeah yeah uh and grains and so here's another in this article it says about food safety standards okay in the human world Niels, the human safety standard is okay you get this e coli outbreak from lettuce and it you know makes the headlines but they don't start saying hey avoid lettuce never eat lettuce don't eat lettuce do you ever well, see that headline don't eat lettuce the human standard has like a certain i don't know what the actual numbers are but there is a certain allowed amount um of fecal matter and this type of bacteria and that type of bacteria that are allowed it's allowed on people food dog food has a zero tolerance and yet and yet and yet (laughs) yeah i'm like okay so how does that work yeah because a dog and cat's digestive system they're anatomically um (laughs) built to handle these higher bacteria loads than humans Right. That, that, that is the way that they are designed. And there was a recent study of over 16,000 raw feeding households, and they found that only 0.2% of all applicants surveyed suspected, doesn't say proved, it says suspected a pathogenic contamination due to their dog's raw food diet. Okay, that's a very, 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 very small group, and they suspected they did not actually test and confirm. While we're talking about that, let me say something before I forget. So you know how people worry about if their dog's on on raw and they lick their kid in the face or lick them or something like that, about how that's going to spread bacteria everywhere and make everybody sick? In in actuality, um, a dog that eats raw, their mouth – the um, enzymes in their mouth and their saliva is designed to start breaking down real food, not kibble. You're going to have way more bacteria, which, you know, we've already said it's not that big of a deal, but this is, this is what you're afraid of. 
kibble will cause a much dirtier mouth and spread much more contamination than a raw fed dog will because because the kibble is basically um cereal grains and dogs do not have a way to start digestion of uh kibble in their mouth so you have every every gross thing that's in kibble going everywhere so anybody that thinks that you need to rethink that because that's not true if you're gonna i would i will not let a kibble fed dog lick me anywhere dog a raw fed dog can lick me wherever they want but kibble fed no way well here's the thing there is a concept that processed food kibble is sterile and that's not true it's sterile of nutrition but it's it's teeming with nastiness and that is because guys the good bacteria are killed with the bad bacteria in this extrusion process and then the pathogen salmonella listeria e coli that grows freely just grows freely and it's sprayed with rancid fat right and 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 bacterial contamination um you know or recalls within the raw food industry doesn't happen due to a sick dog or sick people it doesn't happen that is not why it goes back to what you just said there's a zero tolerance again in this article it says according to the fda recall database Niels, the processed food the kibble it's the moldy grain products and the synthetic vitamin and mineral and premixes that exactly. are killing our pets exactly and the all the a lot of the so if a uh, livestock grain is rejected at the feed mill it's used for dog food and they reject it because it's moldy or you know uh, serious poor quality or anything like that and so then we then you get into the whole aflatoxin bit and all that kind of thing so you know it's it's gross kibble is absolutely gross well and here's the thing guys there there are people that will call and ask is this aafco certified AFCO is total nonsense total nonsense right which we've talked about multiple times so this includes uh your aafco group okay um includes the education of those board certified veterinarian nutritionists who are considered specialists okay they are considered the ultimate animal nutrition experts and this is where uh in this article they say it gets really prickly here because the largest veterinary pet feed lines owns the largest number of veterinary hospitals these folks that own the companies like royal Canaan, Royal Canaan, we hear that all the time. Um, they are the ones that own over 2,000 uh, veterinary hospitals and growing. I'm telling you, it is growing. Um, so what are they going to do? Okay. They are going to emphasize these AAFCO formulated feed foods. They're going to push the Royal Canaan line of pet food 
you've got to make the connection here of why, because I think a lot of people, Neely, are saying, but why would my vet tell me to do this if it's not good for my dog? And they don't look at it that way. The vets don't look at it that way. They look at it as I am in this corporation and the ideology and the method in this corporation is this, this, and this. And that's what I follow because if I follow that, then I get my paycheck and I can go to work and I could feed my family and I could do all these things. They're not looking at it as I'm hurting pets. A lot of them don't don't know any different you know they and it's the same as with the in the human on the human side you know there's a quote-unquote standard of care right and if you don't follow the standard of care everybody should have learned this by now or after the last couple of years if you don't follow the standard of care you open yourself up to being sued and um having your license taken away and all that kind of stuff well vets are under the same threat so you know even the ones that don't believe that you know, the, the, the true holistic ones, they're under threat of having their license taken away. So, um, but you know, there, there's not all vets are bad people. Some, I mean, you know, some of them are motivated by the wrong thing, but not all of them, but you know, it's, it's, um, the same situation as what's going on in the, in the human world, you have got to take control back talk to your vet if you and then think about it does it make sense look it up do your own of course it's getting harder and harder to do that too because google's censoring all the anything that's true anymore but um you know there's stuff that you can still find and there's there's uh real vets that you can still follow and learn from and at least get um a truer picture Right, right, right. And so I think that we have to not have these knee-jerk reactions. I think um, Neely is here for you guys if you want to reach out to her, work with her, sign up, get a consult with her. I mean, you just have a wealth of knowledge, whether that's going to be in homeopathy, herbs, uh, raw feeding, medications, those type of things. And at least you can recognize and say, well, this could be interacting with that. So go back and, you know, talk to your vet or whatever. Um, I think that that's something that we definitely, Neely definitely can help you out with. Okay. So get over to our learning center where uh, you will find our expert section and you can sign up right there with Neely. She will get back with you and then you guys can move on, move on and start seeing some, some really healthy dogs. Um, Get your dog on a species appropriate diet today. It's really, really important that you feed a nutritionally packed diet. And that's what a species appropriate diet is. Meat, bones, organ, and fat. We have a huge variety, 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 variety. Does not matter where you start. We can help you because here at Raw Dog Food and Company, your pet's health is our business and friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, snaps. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.